In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Unfollowing Mum. Today I have a wonderful guest with me that I am so excited that she's given me some of her time to be on the podcast to talk to us about her experiences and about breaking the cycle of generational trauma and parenting really when you haven't got that positive role model there. So before I go any further, let me introduce Abby Williams. Abby, hi. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be sitting with you and having this conversation Harriet. I am I've been a follower of yours for a while now and I also followed the other ladies that you work on the Mm -hmm. estrangement project with which really caught my eye because I just feel like there is so little out there discussed about estrangement about opening up about toxic family dynamics and in my experience when we don't talk about these things we kind Mm -hmm. of wrap them in a shroud of shame Mm -hmm. and it makes it so difficult for people to heal from that it makes it feel like you are alone so that was where unfollowing mum came from yeah and I feel like that's maybe quite similar to your own experience can you tell us a bit about your own journey yeah so I mean like my journey to kind of like my platform Mm -hmm. um, on social media and my podcast you the mother started I started the podcast four years ago And it really came from a place of loneliness. So I started my motherhood journey when I was 21 years old. Um, I was a young single mom and my journey into motherhood, that was now almost 13 years ago. So back then there wasn't Facebook mom groups. There wasn't TikTok at all. There was Instagram, but there wasn't like all the parenting gurus that are on Instagram now and like the platforms that are today weren't there. So I had no online places to plug into and my peers weren't having children either. And so I just knew like from this place of like kind of loneliness in my young motherhood that I wanted some kind of community and that this was going to be a passion for me. So I went on, I got my education, I got my bachelor's in psychology, my master's in social work. 
And once I became a therapist, I kind of like kind of came full circle. I developed this online platform for moms to kind of come and hang and talk about the highs and lows of motherhood and just make it not so lonely, right? Yeah. And then three years ago, I went no contact with my mother and a lot of stuff was going on with me personally, right? I got into therapy. I did some really hard, heavy work. And about a year and a half ago, I think I started speaking about it on my platform. And again, it was a very like similar situation as like young motherhood for me, where I wasn't seeing any conversations about this online. My friends close to me had similar situations. So again, it was just like this very lonely situation where you just feel like I'm the only one going through this. There is a lot of shame associated. You're going to hear a lot of things from society, your family, your friends, (laughs) you know, of, but she's your mother. She's done so much for you. You should just forgive her. You know, you guys should just work it out or just like, Mm. you know, maybe just see her at Christmas or what's the big deal, you know? Yeah. So you get a lot of these comments that are, that bring a lot around a lot of shame with it, right? Mm. So kind of going through that, being on my own healing journey, and I'm just like, I need community again. But I got to a place where I found like some of my own healing and I was kind of able to bring about some of that on my platform. And so I started talking about it more. And every time I would talk about it, those posts would do so well. And I'm like, yes. well, right? oh, I know like exactly the engagement, the engagement mm. is really good. And that was both, that was like bittersweet for me. Right. Yeah. But like these posts are really hitting and resonating with a lot of people. Mm. And I love that, that people have a place to land, that there is, you know, that validation. I see you kind of place on the internet and it's so heartbreaking. Yeah. It's so heartbreaking that there's so many of us and I don't wish it on anybody. Right. Mm -hmm. So I continued talking about it. I continued making space for those people, normalizing, um, kind of redirecting some of the perspective around estrangement. And in doing so, I found Maggie over with Parenting with Perspectacles. She's renamed to Maggie with Perspectacles, Dr. Michelle Deering and Michaela Tyson. And we created the Estrangement Project together. And it has been crazy just how many people have like resonated with that project. But yeah, you know, I just think that community is one of the most important pieces in your healing journey. Like yeah. go get all the therapy and all the help and do yeah. all the things for you. Right. But that community piece is so powerful. It's really interesting to hear you say that not just as someone who has personal lived experience mm-hmm. with estrangement, but also mm-hmm. as a therapist yourself, right? right. because I get a lot of, and I've seen, I've even spoken to somebody about this this morning of this, Mm -hmm. if you are talking about it, it's because you're still in that trauma. You need to let it go. You need to move Mm -hmm. beyond it. And it's what keeps abusers able to abuse. It's what keeps us in that toxic cycle because when we don't have that community, I think we're quite, and I've said this before, I think on the podcast, I think we're quite self-centered beings in that we look (laughs) and we're like, well, I can't see anyone else going through it. So it must just be me. And that's never just you. And that community for me 
as heartbreaking as it has been to see so many people relate to my content around estrangement, to see so many people messaging me, people that I have spoken to for years, Mm. messaging me privately to say, look, I don't feel like I can say this publicly, but I've got this experience and I can't tell you how much you talking about it is helping me. It's been huge and it's been incredibly cathartic. Again, those same messages, yeah. But it's interesting to hear not just from somebody who has been through a similar experience in that they've cut those ties with that one person that's meant to be the closest for you Mm -hmm. but equally that they've found that healing in community and to hear you say it as a therapist as well I think Mm -hmm. is really impactful because so often as somebody who has experienced abuse be it emotional whatever you are told that in order for you to be over it you need to stop talking about it and that's just not the reality at all no no and I think like community for me and being able to talk about it and name it has saved my life absolutely and I can relate to that completely when my estrangement with my mum first happened and it's funny because I'd said the similar to Michaela I spoke to on the podcast um, a few days ago and I'd said similar to her that I was about three years in myself to complete no contact and it seems to be there is this phase where you don't talk to anybody about it I don't know if you experienced the same it's just like such deep grief I think that like I definitely couldn't have talked about it on my social media platform at Mm -hmm. that time right without being just like trauma dumping Mm -hmm. you know so I feel like I did have to go through some grief really hard stuff behind the scenes yeah to get to a place where I can talk about it so that those people who are in that really hard Mm. spot have a place to plug into yes but yeah I, I mean I do think that like you do have to kind of get through that Brief. first like shock you know it mm. is like walking through a fire that first initial like okay I'm doing this yeah it takes strength it takes courage and for me like those words are so weird because yes. like at the moments that I am like the strongest and the bravest I feel the weakest, right? You are just like knocked out. And that beginning stage for me was so brutal. Just so much grief. So much just like, I can't get out of bed, depression, Mm -hmm. you know, and just like really having to go through some really, really hard stuff with my therapist, my partner, and just really get through you know, I think like that is like survival mode in the beginning. Yeah. And then you kind of, and then you get to a place where you are healing and you are on a journey of like finding who the heck am I? (laughs) I think think, like we've probably been on this journey for a long time. When you come from these dysfunctional family systems, you've been like programmed to be self-abandoning. And I think Mm -hmm. as women, like we are, we go through that uh, you know, across the board anyway. Yeah. You know, when you come from some of these different family systems where there's maybe addiction, maybe there's, you know, abuse, you know, just some of these like toxic behaviors, you do develop some coping skills, some survival skills, people pleasing, perfectionism, overworking, you know, maybe you're stuffing emotions in order to survive, right? That's how you survive in this dynamic with this family system, with your mother, you know, whoever is the person. Now that you're deciding, okay, these things aren't working for me. This relationship isn't working for me. This isn't healthy for me. I can't keep living like this. And I Mm -hmm. have to make this impossible decision of going no contact with my mother. Like you said, the most important person 
that's supposed to be in your life. You know, now who the heck am I? Right. I think like you really go through this identity crisis because you've never arrived at this full version of you. And you're finally making this choice of I'm choosing me. And that's probably the first choice of yours that you'll make of, all right, now I'm going to start choosing me. I'm not abandoning myself anymore to keep the peace within this family system that doesn't work for me. Yeah. And so, you know, you make that really first, you know, initial choice is so hard. And I think like it, for me, looked a lot like depression where I was just like down and then choosing, okay, now I'm going to start making steps forward to love myself, yeah, to heal myself, to show up and figure out who the heck Abby is, you know, what do I want the rest of my life to look like? How am I going to be a better mother? How am I going to be a better wife? How am I going to be a better friend? You know, how am I going to show up in all these relationships differently from here on out? Because now I am a different person. And I think like on the other side of all of that, I am so much more intentional in who I surround myself with. And it is so beautiful because I have these people that show up for me. I show up for them. And it is these genuine relationships now where before, you know, I wasn't showing up for people like that and people weren't showing up for me like that. And so on the other side, there are these beautiful relationships that will come. But it's really hard in the beginning when you're like, you have no idea. You have no idea what the rest of your life is going to look like, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think once you start setting those boundaries and you Mm -hmm. start being intentional with yourself and you start being a better you, being allowing yourself to be the you that you actually know you are, but that you're suppressing to try and please Mm. somebody else, you Mm. can't stop. And I know that having gone through this experience, it's made such a huge difference to my my life, my marriage, my work, everything, to how I am as a mother and to how I communicate with things. I think it's so difficult, certainly in my experience, I will never know, but I look back at my relationship with my mum and I often think it's it's very textbook uh, covert narcissist and a lot of enmeshment there. And I, I look back and I think, you know, I never actually really had a chance to step into my own and explore who I am, which I'm now able to do. And it sounds like such an insane thing to be doing in your thirties, but I know (laughs) it's something that so many of us who've been through this period are now doing, but that grief, just to touch on that, because I think Mm -hmm. quite often one of the misconceptions is that if you've chosen to cut ties, you're quite Mm -hmm. flippant about it. Oh, you've made your decision. I don't want you in my life. And that's it. I'm done. It's nothing like that at all and when I was younger I would have definitely had the perception that if somebody could cut someone out of their life just go that's it you're not going to be a part of my life anymore well then they've made their decision so they must be okay with it and it's for the Mm. other party to deal with and I think that idea is so common yeah when you think about so not true and it's (laughs) the total opposite if anything there is it's almost like this bereavement period Mm -hmm. where you grieve the loss of what that relationship should have been Mm -hmm. what it could have looked like what it would have looked like if they'd have been willing to be accountable and they'd have been willing to meet you somewhere Because that's often what I find when I speak to people is that it's that lack of accountability and that lack of willingness to change, to heal themselves and meet someone halfway. You're not asking for perfection, 
Mm-hmm. You're asking for being met. Mm-hmm. And if, if we can't meet each other, that's when the relationship breaks down and is beyond repair. But there is this kind of real bereavement period. And even if you try to talk about it, it's it's often a case of, well, you chose it. So mm-hmm. you've only got yourself to blame. Yeah. No, I love that. Like you're talking about this, Harriet. And I think like the perspective shift there is, is like the person that's going no contact, this is their last resort. There's been so many attempts to keep this relationship. That's not the first thing that people go to is like, oh, I'm just cutting people off. That is not the first thing that people that are in this journey are doing. Right. And so I think like that's the perspective shift that like needs to happen with society, maybe your family. I don't know people who aren't walking in it because, you know, what you haven't seen is there's been years of trying to set boundaries, trying to have hard conversations, trying to say, Hey, my mom, when you talk to me like this, it makes me feel like this. And you're just not seen. You're not heard. You're not validated. You're often gaslit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that didn't happen. You're making things up. You're twisting it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're crazy and you are the problem, right? And, you know, maybe you even go through a period of limiting contact where, you know, okay, I'm only going to text you once a week instead of every day. I'm only going to see you once a month instead of every week, you know? And I think there's a lot of people that kind of go through that. And you have some parents who just aren't willing to respect your boundaries, Mm. right? And so there's just these two different types of parents out there, you know, some that do listen to their adult children who do care about how they make them feel, who do respect their boundaries and, you know, the rules of their adult life, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have another set of parents that don't. And so, you know, when we're dealing with those kind of parents and we're making boundaries, we're, you know, saying how how we feel our needs and those things aren't being respected. And we have to make that last ditch effort of, okay, now I'm going no contact. That's the last option on your list. That's not the choice that you have made. That choice has been made for you. I think I'm like, I didn't make this choice. I would love to have a relationship with my mother. I would love to have a mother that would acknowledge how she makes me feel and the things that she does to me that would take accountability for her behaviors, that would apologize. My Mm. life would be completely different right now if I had a parent that would apologize to me. Absolutely. And and so, you know, I don't feel like that's my choice then. I would love to have a parent that I could call and say, hey, I have a podcast interview in the morning (laughs) and my husband is traveling. Can you take my kids to preschool? You know, and there's so many people out there that do have those parents. I would love to have that parent. Yeah. And I I don't have that parent. And so, you know, we do, we have to grieve the loss of the experience, the loss of what you could have been, what you should have been, you know, the whole fairy tale land you know I think I grieve this made-up version of my mom not the mom that I actually have I grieve all the things I wish you could be because I know you could be that person and there's just limitations to why you can't that's really interesting that you say that because I think grieving the idea of what you know that person could be because for me And I, I I don't know if your experience is similar, but my mum, she wasn't an alcoholic. She didn't struggle with any kind right. of addiction or anything. This was simply emotional abuse mm-hmm. and a, re- a, a repetition 
of behaviors that she had well within her power to say, I'm not going to do that because Mm -hmm. that's going to cause damage to our relationship. And yet the choice was there on her behalf not to. And and I think so often people think that there hasn't been any attempt to lower contact. And I always say, well, I wanted to go lower contact, but at the time my mum was living with us when I asked her to leave. Mm -hmm. So her choice was I either stay or that's it. Our relationship is done. You're dead to me. She couldn't bear the the loss of control over the relationship. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you went low contact at any point or if you tried. No. So my mom does the silent treatment. It's like, oh yeah, like punishment. Right. So we were in a cycle of the silent treatment, but I have four children. My oldest was nine at the time and my girls were two and one and I was pregnant with my fourth and it was starting to affect my oldest. He was old enough to start realizing what was going on. Um, There was a lot of attempts at conversation about, hey, you're not just hurting me anymore. This is now affecting my child. Like this Mm -hmm. has to stop. We can't control how others respond to our boundaries, our communication, you know, we can't control that part and so there was a lot for I would say a year of me trying Mm. and like almost begging begging yeah it is it's it's begging and it's it's really like mind-blowing to me because it's like it felt very like battered woman Mm, yeah you know where you're just like begging to like be in this relationship with somebody who's just treating you like garbage Mm -hmm. and you're just like if you were in any other relationship with somebody people would be looking at you like what is the matter with you your friends would be shaking you like no leave him yeah they'd be sliding like the domestic abuse hotline numbers to you right no one would support it but when it's a parent so you know I'm just like please 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 I'm writing letters and emails and I'm texting Mm -hmm. and then it got to a point where there was a lot of other stuff that happened and I'm like I would know in my heart I will never go back to that relationship now yeah yeah because that's what's safe it's really hard it's really hard but I now like you know some of the things that my son was saying it was finally like the first time kind of being validated how I felt he was like saying the exact same things that I had felt my whole life and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not crazy. Like This does make people feel yeah. like this. The difference is I'm going to be your mother and yeah. I'm going to protect you from things that you shouldn't be going through, you know? Exactly. And that didn't happen in my family growing up. So I just know how important that is to have an adult say, no, we're not going to treat children in certain ways. So that was kind of my push into no more. I think that we all arrive there differently. I do think that that kind of like segues into a good conversation around forgiveness, Mm -hmm. because I think that we get a lot of messaging like, oh, but she's your mother. You should just forgive her. (laughs) Yeah. Or everybody said that one. (laughs) Or that like, maybe you don't even need to be in contact with her, but in your healing journey, you have to find forgiveness Mm -hmm. for her in order to move on. And I don't believe in that. No. Um, I don't think that you need to ever get to a place of forgiveness. I think that the person that you need to forgive is yourself. It's yourself. I knew you were going to say that. And that resonates so deeply because you you do hold this over yourself. Yeah. As a, why didn't I do it sooner? And especially with hearing you say, yeah, about your eldest. 
very similar situation with my eldest, Mm -hmm. whereby it was only when we cut contact that he started to tell us some genuinely horrendous things she tried to put on him or encourage him to do, or, you know, lying to us, bad mouthing my husband, bad mouthing me, and all of these things that I remember from my childhood Mm -hmm. that I remember and it's that coming to a place of saying okay I maybe didn't do that as soon as I now feel I should have done yeah I didn't cut contact with you and be kinder to myself when I should have done and I wish I had but I can't change that so I'm gonna let that go yeah and I'm gonna say okay you didn't but you have and that's okay now but it's so hard to forgive yourself but equally there is this real discussion around breakdowns in relationship and that the only way you can reach true healing and come full circle is to find forgiveness and that forgiveness is for yourself and I don't buy it either it's so funny you're shaking your head I'm like hard shaking my head no 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 you know I do think that, you know, in your healing journey, I've like kind of watched myself like evolve, right? Where you're just like, I was living in so much anger in the beginning. Mm. I was just like furious, angry, depressed, low, sad, resentful, felt betrayed, abandoned. And I've like kind of watched like the shift in me to where now I don't feel I can easily like slip into some of that anger stuff. But I feel like now I do have a level of compassion for her. Mm -hmm. And I think like that comes with healing. Mm-hmm. I do have understanding. Yeah. And I think, you know, that probably I have like, I can very objectively look at her as like, I can put on like my clinical hat and like my mm-hmm. therapist hat and I can very objectively look at her and be so compassionate and understanding about what she's went through in her life, why she is the way that she is and why maybe she can't change. And so I do have some compassion around that. And I'm no longer going to be in that relationship and I'm choosing myself. Right. And so I think that that and word, you can be both, right. Mm -hmm. You can both be understanding and compassionate and I get you and I'm saying no more. Absolutely. You don't have to forgive all the things that were done to you. Right. And I think that, you know, when we talk to more people, you know, other people who are in some of these similar situations who maybe had more extreme levels of abuse. I think that that's bananas to be like, but you have to forgive her or whoever, you know, that person is, you know, that's, that's really damaging to me. I think that that puts all the responsibility on the victim, the survivor of whatever, you know, form of abuse that you've gone through. And that's not your responsibility. No, it's your not. Responsibility your responsibility is to heal yourself, mm-hmm. right? And you can have all kinds of feelings about that. You know, it is yeah. unfair. You know, I think that those feelings are so valid, angry, angry that you have to be on this healing journey. Mm-hmm. You can have all those feelings of this isn't fair because healing is hard. Yeah. Healing is hard. And I don't wish it on you. It is. But but I'm proud of every person that arrives, says no more, and I'm going to do better for me and my family. Mm. I think people quite often mix up the feelings of compassion understanding Mm -hmm. and forgiveness Mm -hmm. in order for you to be compassionate about it you have to forgive and as you say absolutely not that's not true at all you can be someone who very much looks back at those behaviors and says 
they weren't acceptable. Mm-hmm. I am letting that go. It is no longer holding over me. It's no longer controlling me. I no longer feel shame around that. I can look at that objectively, but I do not forgive you for that. And I do not need you in my life. Right. And that's absolutely acceptable to do. And there is this kind of myth that in order to be truly, for, truly healed, you need to be forgiving as well. And you don't. And mm-hmm. as you quite rightly said, that then puts the responsibility back onto the victim, onto the person mm-hmm. who has had that negative treatment mm-hmm. and they're then expected to be the ones to pick up those pieces yet again because have we not spent our entire lives picking up those pieces and trying to heal this relationship while someone else who should have been the adult in the the situation runs riot with it and that's why I feel so passionate about breaking that cycle with my children because that in itself is incredibly difficult we use our parents I guess as a blueprint for how we should be yeah so when I look at I mean I I, no child ever gets the same parent I look at my eldest and he does not have the same parent that his younger siblings had and then the middle one doesn't have it nobody ever gets the same (laughs) parent like it just doesn't happen we're all at different stages we're at different beings we are you know like personalities like play into that too like I have one that's like easier yeah (laughs) completely yeah completely and I you know we never get the same child they never get the same parent we've all got to adapt but I look back at some of my behavior when he was tiny and I I can see my mum I can see her behavior and I look at it and I think you know but I knew at the time that I wasn't I didn't want to parent that way but I felt that that's how I should parent even down to things like when he was a baby we did cry it out mm-hmm. never sat well with us and we were both so uncomfortable but we had both older generations um both sides were saying you know oh no that's how it's done and we were yeah. like but this doesn't feel right and then by the time our middle one came along I mean he was so easy you lay him in the cot and he just looked at you like bye and <laughs> went to sleep we were like I don't know what this child is but let's not do anything with it because it might break it don't like, look at him yeah don't look at him walk away and then by the time my daughter came along she was like I'm not going in that yeah. absolutely not don't put me in that cot and so it was totally polar opposites we went from being this kind of cry it out sit downstairs crying ourselves because we were uncomfortable to co-sleeping and having this constant yeah. held it was totally opposite and that was part of my breaking the cycle and healing but then there are other behaviors that I look back at and you know where I've shouted at him or and, and we all we all shout every yeah, so all every, everybody <laughs> loses their temper sometimes yeah. but for the smallest things and my reactions have been reactive instead of proactive or I've been unnecessarily angry or anxious and that was all part of me following through the cycle because that's how I was parented and I didn't want to do that so how do you break that how do you look at your own parenting and then move into a different style of parenting how do you consciously do that yeah so I think like the first piece is like just having that self-awareness right and like I'm gonna raise my hand too (laughs) I it is so crazy to me how easy my mother comes out of me and especially with one of my daughters who reminds me so much of me Mm -hmm. and like little me you know and I just like look I don't know it just is so easy for me to show up as my mom 
Yeah. And it's like wild to me. I spend so much of my own time in my own therapy, just like working on, okay, how am I going to not be like this, especially with her? And you just like, there's so much shame there because you're like, I know how damaging this is and I'm still doing it. I'm still like this. Like what kind of monster are you? Mm. Don't be like that. There's, it's not shameful. You like, kind of like what you were saying about the blueprint. I love that, you know, that this is what you've been taught. And so now showing up and being a different mother when it is something that you have never seen, of course that doesn't come natural, you know, of course. So first like kind of coming with that self-compassion for yourself, like, okay, I'm a messy human. I'm learning something new. I'm not going to be perfect at this in the beginning. Right. Yeah. And having some of that self-awareness of, okay, I know I really lost it today and that's how my mom used to do it. I don't want to be like that. Right. So now I'm going to, it's on my radar. I'm going to start making conscious choices that I'm not going to show up like this. Yeah. But we are messy humans and you are going to show up like that sometimes still. Even having that self-awareness, even knowing how damaging this is, sometimes you're just going to have your mom come out of you. And I think that the piece that's going to break that cycle And that you're going to do different is you're going to come to your tiny humans and you're going to be like, Hey, I'm going to take accountability for my actions. Yeah. I'm going to name it. Hey, mom was really shouty with you earlier. I'm really sorry. Nobody should talk to you like that. How did that make you feel? That made you feel scared. I bet that made you feel scared. I'm really sorry. Mom's going to do better next time. Next time mom's going to go take a time out when I'm feeling frustrated like that. And then you're going to model that next time. And they're going to see that like, you mean what you say. That doesn't mean that you're never going to be the shouty mom again, because it's probably going to happen again. Yeah, <laughs> it will. I mean, you know, they're, they're really know. frustrating. And so I think that, but I think that there's so much beauty in modeling these messy moments with our humans, with mm-hmm. our little people that, you know, you take accountability when you mess up. You own it. You apologize, right? You know, I know I've already said oh, my yeah. life would be completely different if I had an adult that would apologize to me or that would have when I was a kid, right? Would have right now. And so, you know, I think it's so important that we model that because we expect them to do that when they go out into the world, when mm-hmm. they go up to school and they get in a little tussle over a toy. Yeah. I expect them to go back and say, hey, sorry, I was fighting with you over that toy wasn't cool. Here you go. Right. Yeah. I expect them to do that. So why am I expecting them to do something that I'm not modeling? I think that that's bananas. And I think that we came from a lot of that. Yeah. We came from kind of a generation of just do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. And now as adults, you have some of these, I think that we have a lot of this going on where you have these adult children saying no more to their parents. And you have these parents like, Oh my gosh, you're so ungrateful. You're the problem, (laughs) whatever, you know? And it's like, what, you know, you've been preaching this whole time that, you know, this is what we're supposed to be doing. And now finally, when we've arrived and we're saying no more to you, it's the problem. So I think the the cycle is going to be broken when it's not that we have to show up and be the perfect mother. It's that you show up and you be a mother that's accountable for her behaviors, acknowledges what's going on and apologizes and makes 
has that repair with their children. It's going to build trust in your relationship with your children. It's going to build great modeling for them. And it's going to build that connection. You know, there's so much connection that is in that repair. Have compassion for yourself. You don't have to show up and be this perfect mom that never shouts. You know, I think that breeds like now I have to be perfect. Yeah. That <laughs> you know? brings out the kind of when you feel like you have to be perfect, mm-hmm. that takes you even further into a toxic cycle, doesn't it? Because then there's that self-hatred every time you do mess up because yeah. you will. We all do. Yeah, we and all I do. say this so often yeah. that we all make mistakes. Nobody has ever asked for perfection. And I read somewhere that I think parents only have to get it right, as it yeah. were, something like 30 to 40 percent of the time in order for us to build strong bonds yeah. and it's like well what the hell take, was my take mom that doing pressure like, off. Yeah. <laughs> I mean come right. on my guy 30% right. that's literally all we were asking yeah. 30% yeah. of the time yeah. and if we can be accountable and we can put effort into that repair and we can put effort into those moments and again as an adult I look at at adult relationships and when people will message me and say okay this was the situation and it was so hard and all I really wanted was for her to come to me and say or him to come to me and say I'm really sorry I made you feel that way I appreciate that actually the way I'm behaving here is not acceptable Mm-hmm. And I need to work on myself and on mm-hmm. doing better with that because I, I've, I've messed up here. Mm-hmm. And that was it. That was, and then following through on actually making those changes because we've all been in those relationships. Even if you haven't had a toxic yeah. parent yeah. and you've had a toxic relationship where <laughs> somebody says they're going to show up, somebody says that they're going to do the work and then nothing changes. Right. And that's where the damage sits is when nothing changes, when you don't, follow through with what you've said and then when you can't apologize when you do make those mistakes because we're all humans we're all going to make mistakes but actually being accountable is what so many of us missed out on it makes a big difference doesn't it just to hear those words and I think people I don't know what it is with the older generations and holding (laughs) back on that I'm sorry like I'm sorry really I mean it it both is a massive deal and really not a big deal at the same time do you know what I mean it doesn't seem that hard (laughs) like you know you were bad you know you did wrong just say sorry and again like you said we've always been taught to do that and I think one of the things that we do model to our children when we cut ties with toxic people is we will forever tell our children don't allow somebody to treat you that way don't allow somebody to be unkind to you you know if they've got someone who's picking on them at school okay well stay away from them mm-hmm. let's stay away just if you if they pick on you you sort of and I'm saying this to my nearly 12 year old all the time right okay right you've fallen out with so-and-so don't sit with them then like right Right. Just stay away from them. And yet most people would say that most people would say, tell a teacher and then stay away. Mm -hmm. Don't react, just stay away. And yet when you apply that to a family relationship, it's like, Oh, well, you, you can't just family over say, everything. You. Exactly. Family, <laughs> family over, over everything, over your mental health, your well-being, your safety. Who yeah. cares? <laughs> exactly. Just, That's I mean, don't crazy. stay away. It is crazy. crazy. Yeah. It we is. don't subscribe to that. So. No. And I think we can break the cycle 
as well when we model to our children that bad behavior is not tolerated just because of a familial bond yeah no I totally agree with that I think you know if I am not being healthy for my children I hope that you are able to walk away or have a conversation Mm -hmm. or whatever you know what I mean I get a lot of people because yes we're gonna do it all differently (laughs) because we're gonna do it differently and I get I get a lot of people will say to me yeah I do They'll say, oh, well, wait until it's your turn. Your children will do this. And nobody ever really knows what to say when you turn around and say, if that happens, I'll be accountable for it. And I will ask myself, how can I work on myself? How can I do things differently to ensure that I can build that relationship back up? And then it's like, uh, oh, right. I spent like months like crying myself to sleep in the beginning just like really, really bad in my bed. And uh, I would just look at my husband and just like, you know, what would our children have to do for me to treat them like this? Like Mm -hmm. how I'm being treated right now? What would any of them have to do for me to give them the silent treatment, to cut them off the way that my mother does? And I couldn't think of a single thing. And like you go like play out like the worst scenarios that like your children could do the worst of the worst, right? Mm -hmm. Go there, like be so extreme. Would you cut your child off? I don't think so. You know, and I think like, you know, you can kind of think about like addiction stuff. And, you know, I know that there's a lot of parents that go through like really hard things with kids. And I'm sure that there's places where you have to put in firm loving boundaries, right? Yeah. Think that there's a single thing that I would be how my mother was being with me. No. There's not a single thing that I could play out in my mind that I would show up and be like that. I'm like, I'm not any of those like crazy extreme things that like you're thinking up in your head right now. You know what I mean? And so it's like, it's so wild to me that like these little things would happen. And that's like what would set these silent treatment cycles off. And it would Mm. be like, no, now I'm not going to talk to you for months. Yeah. You know, and you're like over this. Mm. It's (laughs) bizarre because you, you might hold your, your child accountable. You might hold your child accountable, say they did something illegal, you would hold them accountable, 100%. But there's a difference between holding them accountable and explaining to them. Like, that's abusive. It is. Silent treatment is a a form of abuse. It 100% is. The damage that the silent treatment did to me as a child, to the point now where even after, like, a normal disagreement with my husband, if he goes (laughs) quiet, I'm like... Are you still there? Are you good? What is happening? <laughs> you still love me. Like 15 years later, yeah. through the worst ups and downs that we could possibly yeah. be through, the silent treatment is the one way to send me into a panic. And yeah. that comes from my mother's silent treatment. You know, we see silent treatment joked about quite a lot on social media of like, oh, she's not talking to him and she's just saying, fine. But actually in any relationship setting, but yeah. especially a parent to a child, yeah. it's so damaging and it's so painful do not sulk with your children ever because it does nothing and my mum used to say to me I don't sulk but what I would get is I'd get silent treatment for days and days on end Mm. if I really upset her Mm. but then I would get this explosive rage and then she'd walk into the kitchen and walk back out the kitchen and talk to me as if nothing had happened and it was so topsy-turvy so it would either be complete Mm -hmm. silent treatment Mm -hmm. or an explosion followed by complete pretend that nothing had happened and you could just never regulate what or I I couldn't regulate as a child what version was going to show up on that day or whether I was going to have complete silent treatment because I'd done something and like you say really small things that you're like over this yeah (laughs) 
I don't think one time it was like I went camping and she didn't think I should go camping she didn't talk to me for three months I'm like wow yeah you know like the examples that I could give people would just be like huh yeah (laughs) wait so your relationship ended because of that yeah and like so it just sounds like so nuts it is nuts and that's it is not hurts and like you just can't live like that like never knowing which version of them you're going to get on that day never knowing like that no nobody can live like that but that is very I'm a mom common, of four I like yeah. I'm too spread thin to yeah. be like managing <laughs> that like this yeah. is enough the this like yeah family that I've created <laughs> that's enough. enough yeah that's the enough. family that you create is often yeah. enough mm-hmm. and it's often a balm to the family that you were born into yeah. and you do have that power to create that family that soothes the wounds that you have that allows you to feel safe and comfortable to be the person that you know you can be Mm -hmm. and you can create that and you can create that with your children you can create that foundation for your children even if you've not had it and I think that's what we're doing oh Abby thank you so much this has been such a fab chat honestly I know I really enjoyed it brilliant you hear it thank you thank you no absolutely can you let people know where they can find you and your wonderful content so that they can follow along yeah so you can listen to uh you the mother podcast wherever you're listening to this podcast and then i'm the most active over on instagram at you the mother i'm also on tiktok and facebook at you the mother as well i do one-on-one coaching and support groups on this topic um you can find those over on my website you the um, the estrangement project that I'm a part of is the estrangementproject.com. And that has been beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So please make sure that you go follow along with that as well. I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank yeah. you so much. And I will pop all the links and things in the description. So if anybody wants to find that there, then you can absolutely do so. Thank mm-hmm. you so much, Abby. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.